I want to say hello to everyone and also to those who are watching this uh, uh, via uh, YouTube or our podcast. And um, today we're coming to the end of our series called Hostage. Uh, We um, have been on a great journey as we've been walking through some real life issues and seeing how um, faith in God makes all the difference. You know, I hope that you've been finding this series inspiring. Um, We've named those areas where we often can get trapped. Uh, Can you name them with me? Uh, We talked, first of all, about bitterness and then about actually worry. Worry. But good for shooting out the anger one because that was the the next one. (laughs) Anger. And then last week was a real fun one. We talked about lust. And uh, and all the way through this series so far, I, I, I think that there's been people who, who've said, you know, I've been really feeling God at work, and hopefully that you've been saying, you know what, this has been a good series because it's been helping me to respond in a way where I'm starting to sense some freedom in these areas. But maybe, though, in this series, you've also been discouraged because maybe you heard something about anger and you said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to respond angrily anymore. I, I'm free from anger. And you got in the car and you got into a conversation with one of your kids or your wife or your husband. And well, anyway, you're still praying for being free from anger. Or maybe you're not going to worry and you start worrying halfway through the week because of some struggle. Or maybe that, that root of bitterness that you thought you dug out, that poisonous root is still deeper than you realize. Or maybe you're still struggling with lust. And, you're, and you find yourself fighting the same temptations over and over and over again. And you wonder to yourself, wouldn't it be great with all these struggles that seem so deep and so hard and they go on and on. You, you say, wouldn't it be great if we could just, you know, just find a way to end it. Like, just they could be solved quickly and promptly. Wouldn't it be great if there was just a simple solution? Well, I got, I got thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a simple solution? And I came across a clip of the famous comedian Bob Newhart. And he's playing a psychiatrist. And let's just listen to his simple solution when you, you're struggling with issues in your life. Just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I... Um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And, I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but 
truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I.T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. So, wouldn't it be great, with all the struggles in life, we just stop it. But it's not like that, is it? We just can't stop it. Um, I mean, I wish I could just stop my bitterness, but it isn't that simple. I just wish I could stop my worry, my anger. I wish I could just stop my lust, but I just can't. And the, the struggle, I think, and this is where we want to end up in this last message around these issues is that the temptation is, is that when we try to just use our willpower and just say, I'm going to stop it, I'm just going to stop it, and then you don't stop it, at some point you start to believe what I call the big lie. And the big lie, or the lie, I should say, is this. God can't change me. And maybe even some of you are thinking, maybe he doesn't want to change me. I mean, see, yourself, see if you see yourself anywhere in these statements. As much as I try, I can't stop losing my temper with my kids. I can't. I can't stop taking these pain pills. The accident was a long time ago, yet I'm still taking them today. I can't stop worrying and freaking out about finances and about our household bills or about the economy. I can't stop saying the things that come out of my mouth. I, I can't stop looking at porn. I, I can't look at that person. I've tried to exercise, but I just don't do it. I've tried changes. I'm not good enough. I struggle and I struggle and I struggle. I've tried to quit my addictions. I've, in fact, I failed at trying. Therefore, it proves I cannot change. And then I start to believe, well, this is just the way I am. This is just how I've been made up. And I say to myself, God, if you'd only forgive me, I'll never do this again. And yet the cycle goes on and on, day after day, month after month, year after year. And for some of us who are getting real old, it's decade after decade. And, and then we come to that point about saying, what else am I to believe? But this is just the way I am. I've tried to fail, I've, I, and I have failed. I've tried to quit, and I failed. In fact, I failed at quitting. 
And therefore, I'm starting to believe the lie. God can't change me. And I have to be honest. I've journeyed with people for a long time in this church, and I've seen people, I thought, take steps towards freedom. And then all of a sudden, before I, I turn around and they've been knocked off the course of following Jesus, and they're right back into all the things that was breaking them when we first met them. They're back into those lifestyles, back into those choices. And I go, God, I thought you, you changed them. Let's be honest. This lie is deep, especially when we are honest enough to look at ourselves in the interior of our souls and see the complexity of our hearts and say, man, the, the, all these sins that I'm wrestling with, including worry and anger and lust and bitterness and all the other host of things, man, this is hard. So what do we do with this lie that God can't change me? I want you to understand that this lie is powerful because of what we call the angles of sin that are at work in our life. There are big forces at work in our life. You know, so often I think one of the sort of sub-lies to this is that um, we really come to think that, oh, well, these things that I struggle with, they're not a big deal. Um, I want you to understand something, that when you're struggling with sin in your soul, there is a cosmic struggle at play here that's going on in your heart and in mine. Listen, the moral fabric has been torn in the universe and that we are in a, in a struggle literally day in and day out. This is not easy. Do not minimize the evil that we have to contend with. Um, so I want to just take a moment and sort of look beneath the surface of this lie about why we're so tempted to believe this and why the struggle is so hard. And I want to look at what I want to call the angles of sin. Now, if you have your outline, you can follow along with me. But I just want to draw it for you. You know, when we look at the angles, the first angle I want to look at is what I call the, the flesh. You say, oh, the flesh. Well, what is the flesh? Well, let's, let's look at what it says here. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, um, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now listen, here are the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, Paul writes here in Galatians 5, he says, um, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is serious. Th these are the impulses of our broken sinful nature. Everything from, notice, quarreling, hostility, anger, sorcery, lustful pleasures. And you go, well, that's what's on TV all the time, Dave. Well, that's actually a good lead over to the other thing at play in our souls about why we find it so hard to change and to break free is the world. 
The world is also a force in our lives spiritually. Listen to the, what, what it says in 1 John 2, 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. The world wants us to not be focused on the things of God at all, but just focus on the things that feed the flesh. And again, think about the world you live in. What is celebrating the world? Money, sex, and power. That is most of the fare of what you see communicated in our culture. But there's also another force at work, and he is in the person of Satan. And listen to what the scriptures tell us about Satan. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So now I want you to get a sense of this, that you have your flesh, your sinful nature, you have the force of the world's culture around you, and you have Satan himself who wants to destroy you spiritually. And all of this is at work all the time. And we, we call these the angles of sin. Now, when you say, Dave, I'm really struggling with my anger. I can't seem to break free. Do you see what's going on? Dave, I'm really struggling with bitterness. It just seems like I just take a few steps this way and all of a sudden I get pulled back. And I go, well, look at, look at what you're struggling with here. You've got your flesh, you've got the world, and you've got Satan at play all the time, 24-7, every day, every week for the rest of your life. So this is deep. This is hard. This is, this is complex. Well, you can say, well, Dave, I guess then there's no hope. Ah, but there is hope. There is hope as we talk about this lie that God can't change me. Because when I look at the Bible, the Bible has this thing called the gospel, which is the good news. And that's what the gospel means. It means good news. And here's, here's the hope of change that the, the gospel brings. It says, yes, God can. And you know, when I'm reminded of this, I think of um, what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, um, we will, um, I love this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has, has begun. We will stop buying the lie, waiting for something that has already happened, you see. When we keep thinking, well, I'm waiting to become that new person. Please understand, when you take that step in Christ, well, it, it says the new life has already begun. God has changed us. What we have to see by faith, though, is this, that just because we can't see it at times doesn't mean that God isn't at work. You know, you know, the good news is that, yes, God can, is that with God, everything is possible. Um, I think of when, when um, the disciples said, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said to them in Matthew 19, he said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. You see, the gospel when we really grasp what God has done for us in Christ and that we get to have this relationship with God and be in the presence of God and know and experience Him, well, guess what? It means that God can do the impossible in our lives. Um, 
But if we are going to understand how God does the impossible, we not, we've already talked about the angles of sin. We now need to talk about the angles of God's grace working in our lives. And there are three things that work here in our lives if there's going to be change. First thing I want to talk about, actually, is our will. Our will. Um, in Galatians 5.24, on, you need to make a change if you're following the outline. We have 5.22 there. That's an error. It's 5.24. And, and listen to what it says in 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Now, did you catch this? That in our battle with sin, in our struggle to follow the way of Christ, and knowing that what's at play, remember the angles of sin, we have Satan, we have our flesh, we have the world at play in us. We have to understand that we still can make a choice. There is the will. And we have to choose to say, these things that we are about are wrong. You know what often people do when they're struggling with the things in their own life? They often either rationalize it, they either justify it, or they just blame others. But when you finally say, no, this is evil, and these passions, these fleshly desires, these things that I know are hurting me, hurting God, and hurting others, they're wrong, and they need to be nailed to the cross. That's why Jesus died on the cross. We need to acknowledge the evil that it is, and we need to look to Christ. Do you know, the neat thing about our will is this. We need to let what we call the logic of the gospel take place in our life. Now you say, what's the logic of the gospel? Well, well, here's what it is. If you're just trying to be religious, this is your formula for getting right with God. You say, I'm going to obey God's way and then I'll be accepted by him. Oh boy. And you work really hard at obeying, obeying. And the problem is you still mess up and then you feel bad and then you punish yourself and then you go back and then you obey. And then you try that for a few years. You say, I'm enough of this. I'm just going to go party. Right? But that's the religious way. I obey and then God will accept me. But listen, here's what the gospel is. I'm accepted by God in Christ unconditionally. It's his grace, his amazing grace that has accepted me. And because I've been accepted, I'm now going to start to obey. Now, you may say, well, there's not a big difference. There's a huge difference. There's a universe difference between the two. Because you can have two people literally sitting next to each other right here at the Journey Church. One person saying, yep, I'm working and obeying. I'm trying to obey God's way because I hope to be accepted by him someday. Notice that? As opposed to the other person saying, you know what? I'm so glad I've been accepted by God's amazing grace that now I just want to obey his way. You know, as we think about making these choices of the will, let me just bring up one other verse that's not in your outline, but it's worth marking. Just mark down Colossians 1.29. Listen to what Paul says. This is why I work and I struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I love that juxtaposition of where we're saying we have to work and we have to struggle and we have to persevere in this. This is not going to be easy. And sometimes I think people show up and get onto the Christian journey thinking, well, this should be easy. No, you've got to work. You've got to struggle. It takes courage. It takes perseverance. It takes determination. But at the same time, it's Christ's mighty power at work within us. 
So our will has to be at play. You have to choose each day what you're going to do. Are you going to nail those passions or are you just going to justify them? Here's the next thing at play in the angles of grace. And it is what we call the community. There's other words for the community. It's called church. It's called the body of Christ. It's called brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be religious with God and don't want to have anything to do with church. And all I'm saying is that you're certainly not worshiping the God of the Bible at that moment because it says Jesus died for his church. He loves his church. It's amazing, though, how people can say, oh, I'm a Christian, but have nothing to do with the church that Jesus says I'm the head of, and this is my body. Hmm. But this community is so important in this breaking free from the very things that trap us. Why? Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other, build each other up, just as you're already doing. Do you know when I live within the faith community, guess what happens? I now get encouraged by others. I get to, someone who sees me struggling along with my anger, all of a sudden sees me in a setting where they go, Dave, you know what? You're, you're, you're taking some steps there. Let me encourage you. Or Dave, you know, you used to be so selfish, but now, Dave, you're serving more. What, what has God been doing in your life? Or when I'm saying, you know, I haven't changed at all, someone's going to come along within the church family, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, and say, Dave, I just want to encourage you right now because I see it changing. I see God at work in your life. We need one another to speak into our lives spiritually for God to speak through us to each other. Um, now, again, though, just as much as there's the great spiritual force person called Satan, there is the very Godhead at work in us, God the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to be talking actually about the, uh, the three-person nature of God starting actually next week. We're really looking forward to that. We're going to be talking about the Trinity. But this is really important to understand that the very power and presence of God is at work in your life to make a change. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire, desire, I should say, and power to do what pleases him. Now think about that. God himself is at work in you. God is working in you to break you free. Um, you know, when we grasp these angles of grace at work in our life, I believe that they'll make us men and women who want to change. We will become godly people who will say, Lord, show me where I should change. Show me what choices I need to make, what passions I need to nail to the cross right now. What is my, the church body showing me and leading me to do? Lord, what's the Holy Spirit speaking into my life right now? I am going to embrace change. I'm going to say, Lord, help me to continue to break free from the very things that Satan wants to trap me with. You know, when we grasp these angles of grace, we're going to finally get to speak truth to ourselves. I'm convinced one of the worst things that happens when we get trapped is we just lie to ourselves. We minimize. We just can't face it. But here we'll finally say, you know what? Because of God's grace, because he died for me, I'm broken. I don't have to pretend anymore. Where are the areas of my broken, Lord? Right now, help me to get real. 
Because as you get real, God is going to help you get free. And also we have this wonderful truth that, that God wants to set us free. But in Christ, God also understands our own brokenness, our own humanity. He, he, he was tempted in every way that we are. And when we grasp these an angles of grace, I'm convinced that the more we understand how we are accepted in grace, that joy that comes from knowing the grace of God in our life gives us the freedom and the power to find freedom and power from the things that trap us. Um, you know, these angles of grace at times work very subtly. But the more we can grasp God's grace in our life, remember, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Not, I obey, so I'll get accepted. When that grace continues to work in our life, guess what happens? We can face those hard things right now that are trapping us, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whether it's worry, or whether it's lust. Well, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I just, you know, this is, as we come to the end of this series about being held hostage, I don't want us to just go, well, that's it. Great. We talked about how to, how to find freedom from the things that can hurt us so bad and the, how sin can, can wrap us up so badly, how Satan can destroy us. I'm really convinced that we need to take a moment to pause and say, okay, God, where do you want me to break free? Um, there are areas in my life that I still say, God, you got to help me break free. And, and I got to consider all the angles of how God is at work in my life through the Holy Spirit, through this church body, through my own choices I need to make. I got to face those things. But I also think of all of you. And I've known some of you for a long time and some of you, you're brand new and I don't know your backstories much, but I know all of you have areas in your life right now that you still are struggling to break free. Why do I know that? Because Jesus died on the cross for them. That's why. So I want you to just take a moment and um, I want you to just to think about, God, can I really trust you? Can I really believe that you want to change me? Because if you walk out here tonight still believing in that lie that God can't change me, then Satan's won the day. Or God can't change this situation I'm in right now. Or it's hopeless. But with God, everything is possible. And I can't promise you that, that the issue is going to be resolved, you know, in the next 24 hours. It's a process. It's a journey. It's a struggle. God works in mysterious ways. His purposes are, are, are being carried out. I... I can't promise you how it's all going to work out, but I do believe that God's intent as we look at the gospel of Christ is he wants the old to go and he wants the new to come. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And you're saying, but there's things in my family right now that they're broken and they're old. Can God change that? There's things right now in my own life. There's things in my work. There's things right now. Can I really believe that? And I just want to say again, I believe that yes, God can. There's always the hope of change because of who Jesus is. So let's just take a moment. Let's just bow our heads as we just close in prayer here. And uh, the worship team's gonna close in a song. 
and then the service is going to come to an end. But just in this moment of prayer, I'm just going to say, Lord, I just pray for each person here. Lord, we all have issues. And Lord, I just think of starting with myself, Lord, that I still want to just be open to your work of grace in my life. Lord, help me to truly live in what it means to know the good news of Christ in my life. Lord, help me to just follow the way of Jesus, to be led by him and to live more like him. And Lord, I pray for every person just right in this service, Lord, and those who are watching this through, um, through the internet and through YouTube or the podcast. Lord, let this be a moment where they can say, Lord, I, I want to break free. I want to break free from anger. I want to break free from worry. I want to break free from lust. I want to I break free from bitterness. And Lord, I pray that you will right now do that work of helping them be courageous, of helping them know your grace, of helping them know the joy of what it means to live in your presence. And Lord, maybe there's some here tonight, Lord, that are for the first time are hearing that, that you, Lord, want to make a difference in their life. And Lord, they haven't even taken that first step of faith yet. Lord, I just pray that tonight will be the night that they do that. They open their life to you, Jesus, and see that in you, they are already accepted. And Lord, now they can just begin their journey of following your way that leads to peace and to hope and to eternal life. So, Lord Jesus, tonight we look to you as our Savior. Break us free from everything that leads us outside of your kingdom. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.